0: If you're here for the very first time to Calvary Chapel, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're happy you came to join us. If you forgot your Bibles, raise your hand. Usher will make sure you have a Bible in hand, One over here on the right, because we want you to follow along. We have a big chapter to capture, so uh, Genesis chapter 24 is where we will pick right back up where we left off a couple of weeks ago uh, when I last time I was here. And I definitely want to make sure we do that. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 24. So today, we continue and walk through, and we will capture today the longest sentence in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. 67 verses worth. And I know you're like, okay, we're going to get, how, when did we get finished? Now, the first service, we did it in time, so we can do it again today. So, uh, we're going to take that, but you will see through this long verse, or this long chapter, we're going to find this life involved with Abraham and Isaac, his son, the servant Rebecca, his future wife, we're going to see how God um, led these individuals in their lives through this, this part of the story, because God will lead you as a child of his. If you're listening, and if you're patient, and you will wait, and you will watch, and be, he's going to lead you in the things he's called you to do, and we're going to see that played out here, right here in these verses here in chapter 24. And you're going to see this faith that these individuals had. This hope that they had. they This love that they had. And how he, that God uses that and leads the life of Abraham and his son Isaac. Now if you remember last time we, t- um, we were in chapter 23. We saw that Sarah, Abraham's wife, uh, died. And there we are. And any time there's a death in the family. Especially of a spouse. There's obviously... Uh, challenges and issues that would come about that. But you see this change still taking place here in this chapter as God uses Abraham, the father of Isaac, to do what he's supposed to do, and that is to make sure his son is married. And we're going to see that played out here miraculously. We're going to see that played out here as we start here in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. It says, now Abraham was old, well advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So as we will see in chapter 25, we know that Abraham was 140 years old. So he's slightly younger than 140. So he's approximately 140 years old right now. And if he's 140 right now, that makes Isaac 40 years of age right now. And he's still not married. And we're going to see this all taking place where God is going to take care of that. But Abraham left everything, if you remember, and God led him out of the Ur of Chaldees and moved him down in these Canaanite areas for a purpose. And you know the story, and we won't go through it all, but an interesting ride, uh, to, say the, to say the least. But he, leading by the Lord, he was blessed by the Lord in all things. And we have to remember the, this lesson here, because as a child of God, if you are following him, If you are seeking after him and you're an obedient child of his, there's blessings that come with that, of course. It reminds me of Matthew 6.33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And Abraham is a perfect example of someone who constantly was seeking after God's heart of the things that he was asking him to do. He was constantly in fellowship with God. And because of that, blessings came. God added to the things he needed, that God, according to God's will, to his life. And we see that Abraham, according here, he was a very blessed in all those things. And we see at the end of verse 2 that, <clears throat> or, or at first, beginning of 2, so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had. Now it's interesting, we don't know who this oldest servant. Um, servant is, but if you remember back in chapter 15, verse 2, Eliezer was his servant at that time. It could be still the same guy, or it could be a new servant, but either way, this servant was the chief of staff for Abraham. He was the lead man. He was the servant who oversaw all the operations of his wealth, and he had a lot of things to watch over. As, we will, as we've seen and continue to see all of this wealth and, and, and livestock and employees or servants that he had. This guy, his oldest servant, <clears throat> we see here of his house who ruled over all that he had. And he says in the last part of verse 2, please put your hand under my thigh. Now that's an interesting statement if you have to say yourself. So you're saying to your servant, come on over here, you're going to put your hand under my thigh. Now that would go over well with some people. But in this case, he's, you know, he, this oldest servant obviously trusts his master. He trusts Abraham. And there's a reason for this. And in this culture, this is how they created or solidified and made sure there's an oath was taking place, and we'll see it play out here in a little bit. In verse 3, he says, And I will make, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth. So he's saying, okay, come over here, my oldest servant. Put your hand under my thigh because I want you to swear to God of the heavens, the God of the earth, I, the, the mighty God that I serve. I want you and me, the three of us, to come into an ag- oath, and agreement of what I'm about to tell you. And what does he tell them? That you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So here's, you know, remember the Jewish culture. Here's a dad. He has a son. He needs to get married. He goes over here and says to another guy, another father of a daughter, says, hey, I like your daughter. You like my son. Okay, let's agree. Let's come together. We'll have a couple of, uh, two glasses of wine. We're going to exchange those things and we're going to betroth our son and daughter to one another to get married. That's what they did. That's in the culture. You got to pick your wife, pick the wife for your son. And, and then the, the person who had uh, uh, that daughter was able to have an agreement. And there was a, a diary that was in exchange. And there was an agreement. I'm gonna, you're going to give me a certain amount of money for my daughter for your son. And there was these, worked out these agreements in this culture. Now, what's interesting, as you think about this, and he's looking and he knows he's at 140 or so years of age, his son's still not married. Now, remember the promise of God that there's the, the Messiah was going to come through his lineage. That means he has to have a, a genealogy. He, he has to be married and he has to have kids and that's how the promises are going to come. So he took upon that seriousness and he turned to his oldest servant and said, you are going to go out and you're going to go where? You're going to go back to the where God took me from. You're going to go to my family. And you're going to select a wife for my son Isaac. And you're going to bring her back here. Now, that's an interesting thing here because you're telling this servant, you're going to travel 450 miles away to a place he's never been, to a family he doesn't know, to find a wife, a, a woman for your son Isaac out of that family. This is going to be a miracle. You know that oldest, you know that servant this is sitting there this going, is, and you're going to ask me to put, put my hand on your thigh and make an oath on this? It's funny how you see the servant play this out a little bit here. But you're going to see that he says here in verse 5, And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. So here's the servant going, hey, wait a minute here. You want me to go all the way back there? Don't you think you're saying to me you want me to take your son with me back there too to find this wife for him? And immediately Abraham said, no, do not take him back. Beware. Warning. Do not take Isaac back to that land. Why? Well, it's interesting. Verse 7, the Lord... The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you then you will be released from this oath only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So he's sitting there. Abraham said, okay, no, you've got to go. You're going to go find this woman for my son Isaac. And remember, I was brought out of there by God down to this land to possess this property, this place. And if Isaac goes back up there, he's not going to want to leave. He's going to find that woman, and that woman's probably going to convince him some way to stay there. And that's not where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be down here where God has given us the land to possess. And also, I don't want her, to, him to marry this woman, a woman here in this Canaanite um, area, these Canaanite women, because they worshipped idol worshippers. They were idolaters. So he can't be messed up with a woman who's going to worship false gods. That is not good. There's no good in any form or fashion. And that reminds us of of the truth as a believer. If you're a young man or a young woman looking to be married, you do not marry a non-believer if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You cannot do that. It goes against the scripture. And you can't rationalize that in any form or fashion. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so here he is. He's saying, "No, no, no! She can't have this Canaanite woman. Got to go find someone from the tr- that my tribe, from my family, and we're going to bring her back down here. Don't let him go up there." So we see what happens here. But when God is leading, we see that He even has sent an angel before His servant to actually pave a way and orchestrate things. That even Eliezer, if that's who he is, the oldest servant, hasn't even seen. Now this is a very incredible chapter. Because it parallels with the Trinity. Abraham is the father. Isaac is the son. The the servant is the Holy Spirit. And you can see that the Father has now sent out the the Holy Spirit to find the Bride of Christ for the Son. And you can see how the Holy Spirit is now going out and paving a way to, to looking and finding to bring back the Bride for the Son. The Son does not go out to the Bride... But the bride comes to the sun. Just like we, the the sun will not come back to this earth for us, but we will go to the cloud, 1 1 Thessalonians 4. We will actually come to him to heaven in due time. And we're going to see that parallel all the way through the rest of this chapter, how we see the picture of the relationship of the Trinity and how it will play out. But God is leading God is sending before him. He has a mission for this uh, this servant. And Abraham says, if the woman is not willing to follow you, then the servant is free from his responsibility of that mission to bring that woman back. Because just like the servant, the Holy Spirit, will never force anyone to come to Jesus. Jesus. Abraham says to his servant, you will not force that woman to come back to marry Isaac. She will want to have a relationship or she will not. She will come or she won't. She will follow or she will not follow you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't force, nor was that servant to force any woman to come back to marry his son. But the Holy Spirit is not some bizarre force that overpowers people either. Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit leads, does not push and force. It doesn't cause people to do things they wouldn't have done otherwise. So when you see and you hear in the teachings of churches around today who said the Holy Spirit came upon them and they fall back and they they fall and they twist and turn all on the floor and all kinds of stuff, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the flesh or it's demonic. Because the Holy Spirit does not force and is not some force, that a bizarre force that overpowers people. That's not the ministry of Him. Now we see here, that was the Father. Now we see in verses 10 through 49, the servant played out. It says here in verse 10, then the servant took 10 of his master's Camels and departed for all his master's goods, wherein his in his hand. And he all and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city of a well of water at evening time and the time when women come out to draw water. Then he said. O oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says drink, and I will give, also give your camels a drink, Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So here's the servant. He's traveled 450 miles. He gets to this place and God leads him to the place where the well is. That is where people gathered there. But most importantly, that is where the women would go out and they would go and go down into the well and lower and pull up water for to feed their family or to water their families. In this case, that is where the women were going. That's where God led them. The place of the well. Now it's interesting, as you see these verses, he's brought ten camels with him as well. So he's thirsty, the camels are thirsty, he's coming to where the water is, and where the women are. Now you have to understand the servant's perspective here. He's going to a land he doesn't know, he's going to a place he wasn't told. All he was told is, you're going to go to this place, and he trusted by faith that God was going to lead him to the place that he needed to go. To fulfill his mission. He didn't have all the details. He didn't know where he was staying. Or any of those other things. And what, what, did he sit there? He didn't take the time. To say He didn't even, even talk to Isaac. Isaac. Did he, what, do you, what did she have to be? Your height? Or five inches shorter? Did she have to be blonde hair? blue? What description? No description whatsoever. We find this, 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 uh, this servant didn't sit there and go. Can you imagine? Oh. Abraham, you want me to go pick Isaac's wife? Man, that has been the most spoiled brat he's ever been. Wait till I find the ugliest woman I can find to give him. No, we don't see that either. We see him a loyal servant, being faithful in obedience to what his master asked him to do. And he trusted God was just going to lead him and take him to the place. And we see him. He's taken to the well here in this community. And all he said, God leads this this servant to say is, I'm just going to test and see what the Lord's going to lead to do. And I'm going to test by saying, when I see a woman, I'm going to ask her for a drink. And if she sits there and says, get out. Who are you? And runs away from me. I know it's a closed door. If she says, yes, have a drink, then I'll, I'll take that as a sign. It's an open door and I can take the next step. Which would be what? He says that she will offer to give water to his camels. Ten camels as well. And so that was the criteria. And you see here that that's exactly what he has, he's communicating to God, He's talking, he's, he's praying, and he's saying, God, this is what I'm asking. Because I know and I trust by faith that you, verse 14, you have appointed that woman to Isaac. That God has selected a woman for that man Isaac, for your son Isaac. That's incredible. So many times people take it upon themselves to think that they know everything and not consult God at all in selecting their wife or their husband. But when God leads and God fulfills that desire you put on your heart to be married, he will bring you your bride. Isaac didn't go looking for his wife. God brings his wife and watch, watch how this plays out even more here. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah was born, born to Bethuel, the son of Milkeh, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well filled her pitcher and came up so we see rebecca this would make rebecca based on the lineage she just said that she that uh, she comes from nahor who's abraham's brother this is this is rebecca would make be his second uh, isaac's second cousin that's who he's going about to marry his second cousin here and abraham's purpose was for isaac to marry a woman That was not caught in adultery, not living from a pagan lifestyle, but from a lifestyle, from a family, from a tribe that matches his. It was equally yoked here. And so he sits there and this is the woman that comes out and all of a sudden you see the servant's eyes lock in on her. And says that is a woman. She's coming down. She obviously was dressed in a way. And obviously apparel and, and presentation. To know that she was a virgin. She wasn't married. She had not been with a man. We see in the scripture here. And we see that here she is coming with her picture. Just as he, he's, he's saying. And he's going to ask. And he's going to, to see and test if this is of God. If she's the one or not. Now what's interesting as a rule of thumb, let me give you some encouragement of those who are single. That in Isaiah 12:3 it says therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. If you're single, where would be the best place to find a godly woman? At the well of salvation. Someone who is saved. Someone who is is being refreshed by the word of God. The water of the word of God. That is where the best place to find a godly woman for you. you. If you want to find someone who is beautiful in the Lord. Then go to the place offering the refreshment in the Lord. At the church where the word of God is being taught. Why would you go to a pagan land to find her? Why would you go to a place that you're just questions if she's even really devoted to God or not? That is, she's even refreshed and in in walking with the Lord or or not. How many times over the years I've heard, oh, pastor, she's she's a wonderful girl. She's great. And she goes, so where does she go to church? I don't know. Did she even mention the word God in the conversation anywhere? No. It It drives me crazy because... They're looking at all the wrong places and not looking at what God has has for a godly woman in their lives. And allow God to bring her to him versus him going out and searching. But remember, the Lord has made you beautiful as well. Because you have been cleansed by the blood of the cross and we are the very righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5. In verse 17, and the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So now here comes the test. He's testing to see what was her response, verse 18. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. Verse 19, then she had finished giving him a drink. She said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew all and drew for all his camels. Now that's incredible. Because you see characteristics of this godly woman here. First of all, she's beautiful. She's a virgin. She's ho- she's waiting for God to bring her to her husband. But also the fact that she was res- She was kind. She was responsive. She didn't look at him and say, what do you mean you want to drink my water? I just pulled that up, and I, I worked hard for this. You go get your own water. She wasn't any response like that. She responded in kindness. That is a characteristic of a godly woman. We see that he, not only did she offer, he asked... That door stayed open because she said, yes, I will give you a drink. So that's one criteria. Second criteria, will she offer automatically to take care of the thirsty camels? And guess what happened? She did. Now here's a characteristic guys. She is not willing she is willing to work hard and minister to others. Again, godly characteristics of a, of a spouse. Here she is, people take and pass by this, but they're talking 10 camels. They figured it takes about 200 gallons of water to bring to finish the thirst, which is, it says right there in verse 19, until they have finished drinking 200 gallons of water. She went back and forth to get enough water to feed a 10 camels to fill their thirst. She's willing to work hard. She's willing to minister to others. She's willing to sacrifice and give to others. These are characteristics of a godly person. She wasn't selfish. She was like, wait a minute. This was a part of my agenda. I was coming down to get water. I'm going to go back. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to eat You know, bonbons. I don't know what she was going to eat. No, she didn't do any of that. She took the time right in the middle of her schedule, her plan, and showed kindness And was willing to go above and beyond to minister to others. Even when it was inconvenient. Credible. That is a godly woman that he is looking at right now. And when you see a woman or a man. Going out of her or his way to minister. To do hard things for others. You have found someone very special. Because that is that is someone who has been who has died of self and was willing to help others. In verse 21, and the man wondering at her remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Because again, the criteria is still not complete yet all he knows is you know he's, he's got to, it's pretty sure <laughs> she gave him a drink he she, she 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 gave water to the camels but he's sitting there and he's praying and he's pondering on what he's watching her and what is she's doing back and forth feeding these camels. She's, he's uh, wondering in, in, about her and saying, okay, is this is her? Is this of God? Is this she the one that God you've appointed? He's sitting there pondering on it and he remains silent because he doesn't want to influence. He doesn't want to manipulate. He doesn't want to, to make it happen. He's just waiting to see what the Lord is going to show that this is prosperous or not or this is of God or not. In verse 22, so it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden ring, nose ring, weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist, weighing 10 shekels of gold, and said, whose daughter are you? Let me please, or tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milkay's son ...whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. This, these verses tell us even more and now confirms that this is of God... ...and this is exactly who the woman is for Isaac, Rebekah. Why? Because as we take a look at these verses, we can see that obviously the, the servant wanted to respond... And give good gifts to her for doing what she did. She gave him a drink and took care of his camels. And she gave, that, you know, wouldn't that be nice? Someone comes and helps you and you said, here, let me give you a nose ring for a gift. That's kind of weird. But back in those days, that was a, a good thing, right? And the bracelets were certainly natural even today. But we see those gifts that he gave and they were pricey. They're, they were sizable weight here. Of gold. So this wasn't cheap cheap uh, Chinese stuff that was being handed out here. So here we see that one of the key questions he needs to ask in verse 23 is, whose daughter are you? Why did he ask that question? Because one of the criteria from Abraham is that she must come from his family. And she made it very clear that she comes from Abraham's family brother's line hello we got all the things in place everything's all in place here and now you can imagine the joy of this servant once he heard this and not only does she say who she's from or where she comes from but that yes she even has another trait of a godly woman the trait of hospitality she sits there and says yes you, we will have room, not only that, but we have straw and feed enough to lodge you and your camels. You need to come. These are wonderful things. Again, the servant is a type of the Holy Spirit who gave Rebecca, who's a type of the church, beautiful gifts. And it's still true today. The Spirit of God gives to his children, the church, the believers, gifts. And you can see those gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And they are given to beautify his bride, the church. Those gifts are not for you personally. Those gifts are to be a beauty upon the church. That's what God has given the gifts for. Verse 26, then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. The servant didn't say, look at me, I am so great. I am, oh, look how God used me to find Rebecca. Oh, it's all about me. I'm so smart. Coming to the well, none of that. He understood that it was all God. And he did exactly what he should do and we should do when God is working in our lives and leading us. God is leading us. We should bow down and worship him. For that is who he's doing. We're We're looking at a miracle right in front of our eyes. And the servant knew it was a miracle. Again. God led him to this place. He's never been. Led him to the place where the women would be. Led him to the place. And before he would even finished talking, God God was already bringing Rebecca, who he had selected, appointed to be his son's uh, wife. The miracle of God working. And we worry about, oh, will God, will, will he find a good godly woman? Will he, she find a godly man? Why are you worried? God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do you not think he, God can bring a godly woman to your, for your son or for your daughter, or a, a, a godly man? Of course he can. But you have to have faith like the servant does. You have to have a hope like the servant does. You have to have a love for God like the servant does. You have to be like Abraham, like the servant. The same results will come. It's good. It's right. Then the man bowed down, of course, in his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy. He had mercy upon this this servant. He had mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. God said, get on the road and go to this place. He didn't have anything worked out in any details. But God, when you're on the way, and you're doing what God has called you to do, and you're just being obedient and faithful and do what he just called you to go the way, then what does it say? The Lord led me. The Lord led me. That's how he works today, my brothers and sisters. How many times I'm asked, I don't know, should I take that job or I shouldn't take the job? Should I, be, should I marry that person or shouldn't I marry that person? You have all these questions. But if you just be on the way with the Lord, he will lead you step by step and accomplish what he wants to do in your life. And it requires faith. Not by sight. It's by faith. Do you trust God or you don't? Regardless of how you feel, I assure you this servant didn't feel like going 450 miles by himself to find a woman for son Isaac. But he was obedient to his master. And when the Holy Spirit sends you out, he will lead you. Just be obedient to your heavenly father, your master. So we sit here, and he says, okay, yes, this young woman is coming out. is, is exactly in verse 20, 28. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Everything that took place. You won't believe it, Mom. Brother, you won't believe what just happened. Dad, you won't believe what just happened. But you can believe it, and we can believe it, because we even know that John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way. We see in Acts 19, Acts 19, verse 23, the early church was called the way. Because if you will follow God's way and do it God's way, you are going to receive the same outcome. Blessings from God. And if you walk in the way, if you are obeying Jesus, if you are yielding to Jesus, you will end up at the right spot that God wants you to be. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen? Because that's how it works. It's a daily walk. And you seek after him and you follow his way as he guides you by his spirit, by his word. You just follow. Be obedient. And he'll take you step by step. And he'll bring you to the place where even regardless of how you feel. God has the plan. And he's going to work out that plan if you let him. You don't have to waste your time struggling and striving to find God's will for your life. You simply walk day by day. You simply walk day by day in the way, and as Abraham sent his servant, the Lord will lead you. Verse 29, now Rebekah had a brother whose, na- whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, that when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. We will see later on that Laban was a very worldly man. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, he was a little eager when he sees the gold on his sister and he hears what he, this man has said to his sister but overall, understand in this, um, uh, this culture, the oldest brother was responsible of marrying off and negotiating, marrying off his sister. So that's why Laban ran out there to see to who this guy is that says, Hey, uh, you, hey, this guy is telling me I'm going to be a wife of uh, his, uh, his uh, master's son down in this other part of the country. So he came running out, and sure enough, he sees the, the, the gifts on, um, uh, on, on uh, Rebecca. And he wants to know what's going on. But he obviously knew something was going on because he obviously had no problem saying, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Because he could see that he was wealthy. He see he had stuff. He obviously had the gold. Come on in. We've taken care of everything. You can house here. In verse 32, then the, men, the man came to the house, the servant, the oldest servant came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and the water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who are with him. So that's the custom. Take care. Make sure your guests are all taken care of. You come in. You wash their feet. Because those sandals. They were The desert was rough on those feet. They washed the feet. And they made sure the food was ready and prepared. And they took care of everybody. Verse 33. Food was set before the him to eat. But he said. The servant said. I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my servant greatly and has become great. And he has given uh, him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he had. So just as Abraham has given all things to his son Isaac, the heir, so has our heavenly Father, God the Father, has given all that he had to his son, Jesus Christ. We see that in John chapter 3, verse 35. And then he continues, the, master, the, master, the servant continues to, to share the full story of what's taking place. He says, Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water and to say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink, and she says to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed For my master's son but before i had finished speaking in my heart that there was rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder and she let she went down to the well and drew water and i said to her please let me drink and she she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said drink And I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Melchai bore to him. But I put the nose, so I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the left or to the right, or to the right hand or to the left. So here we see he repeats the entire story to this brother, the mother, the father who was listening, because he wanted to give firsthand account the miracle of what God was doing. And when you know that God is doing something in your life, and it is a very clear and apparent, and he is leading this situation then you will have great confidence in making the next decision. Amen? If you do not have clarity from God in the steps you're taking, you don't hear from the Word of God, you don't see Him leading, then you should not be making a decision for the next decision because you're still not having heard from Him. Because if you do, then you're going to be leaning on your own understanding and making decisions that were not God-led but you led. And then you wonder I, why you find yourself in really bad situations and problems on your hands. Marrying the wrong spouse is a really bad decision if it's not of God. So we see here he plays this out. And at the very end in verse 49 he says, Now deal with me kindly here and be very truthful. Will you allow her to become, come with me and, and get married to the son Isaac? And if not... You need to tell me, don't don't say, well, let me think about it. (laughs) Because I need to know what side I need. If I could go take the right hand or left, I have to think what would be the next decision. Because right now, he says, this is all God. This is all God laid out. Everything is tested. Everything is God leading. But if you're telling me no, I need to be released from this oath. because, Or I need to figure out what to do next. So here's what happens. Now we see the bride. The bride comes in here. We see Rebecca's part here, verses 50 through 60. The bride's faith here in hope is very clear. It says, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. So Laban's response to them, and Bethuel as well, is, well, it's very clear this is of God. Have you explained it? This is of God. This is a miracle. This is, a, this is amazing. We have nothing good or bad to say. Oh, we're, just, we're just in amazement here of what takes place. Verse 51. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver and and jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. It is incredible. When you are able to just, just communicate to others, God working in your life. People can see. People will see God working in your life. It's amazing how they will respond to you in the positive. Because they can't, they can't, even though they may not want anything to do with it, they can't deny that that was a miracle and that's God working. They may want to discount it and they may want to just try to just dis- excuse it and come up with an excuse. But at the moment, here we see the family couldn't say, gotta, they're in amazement and they said, Yes, this is of God. This is, yes, you can have our daughter, our sister. She can go with you. And his response was the servant is to give additional jewelry and gold and silver and clothing and stuff, not only to Rebecca, the bride of Christ, the gifts that are poured out on her, but also it overflowed and poured over to. The brother who Laban who's the negotiator because he was the one that was going to be given the approval to have her to be able to leave to go get married and to her mother. so God when God brings two people together in marriage, not only does God bless the bride but to, to be, but the family is also are blessed by the overflow of God's blessing upon the, what God is doing there. Everyone around them is affected by this. This wonderful thing of God's doing. In 54, and he he and the men of who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and said, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. So for some reason, the brother and the mother didn't want to let Rebecca go immediately. Some believe it wasn't just 10 days they were talking. They were talking like months, like 10 months. Like, you, you see it today. Oh, you're going to get married? You have to wait a year to get prepared. Like, like, let's just wait for a whole year before you get married. Where, why, where do you get that from? If God has said that you're to get married and you're prepared and you're ready and the place has been taken care of, why do you wait? But for some reason, they wanted to wait. In the fact that they weren't letting to her to go immediately, but that's no—it's un, not unrealistic, you know. In many times, in regards to back to the fact that you're a bride of Christ, you're you're a child of God. So many times, people when are committed to Christ, immediately people will say, "Oh, you're too radical. You, you go to church way too much." You talk about God too much. You make a decision. You pray too much. You read the word too much. It's so no different here. People are always trying to to think you're just too radical when you're just completely devoted to God. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be. We're a child of God. We're a bride of Christ. Why would we not be devoted to God? But that's how it works. Many people will try to convince, just like the brother and sister, sit and relax. Take it easy. Take some 10 days here or so. You know, kick back. This is what we do here. No, that's not what we do. Oh, you'll be missing out on things if you keep going to church all the time. Are you kidding? But that's how the world thinks. But look at the servant. He says in 56, and he said to them, do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. In that culture, not only is there the brother has to negotiate and and arrange this, but the, 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 the girl in this case, Rebecca, also had a personal say if she was willing to go or not. And this is interesting. Because here you see again some more godly characteristics of this woman, Rebekah. Because she says in 58, Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. He, she said, I do. Because that's what she was saying. I do. I'm, mar- I'm going to get married. I do. I'm going to go. Here's a woman who's never been there. I'm going to go. She never saw Isaac before. I'm going to go. She doesn't know the servant and all these men that were bringing. She was going to go. I'm going to go. Why? Because she knew this was of God. She had faith in God. She knew and she had hope in God's doing. It was orchestrating this. And she had a love for a man she had never met. All she knew of Isaac was what the servant told her about him. He, she must have, he must have spent their time talking about Isaac and talking about Abraham, the father, talking about the son. And she stood there and, and had a love for a man she had never met and said, I do, I will go. But that is the same true in the, in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit comes and reveals to you and I who the son is. We've never met Jesus face to face. But we fall in love with him and we say, I do, I will follow him. I will come to Jesus. I will give my life to him. And even though I have not seen him face to face, I know one day I will because the Holy Spirit has said so by his word. And by faith, she goes to Isaac and by faith we come to Jesus Christ and there is no other way. And that's exactly what took place here. And she said, I will go. Go where? <laughs> How long? What will it be? What was it going to be like? Even in First Peter 1.8, there is coming a day when we will declare, even though we have not yet seen him, we will love Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you? I do hope that you have heard the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Do you remember the day of salvation when you gave your life to Jesus? If you don't remember that day, I pray today's the day. That today, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart who Jesus Christ is. The Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And anyone who believes in him will be saved. Saved from the penalty of your sins. And it's by faith. All you do is, like Rebecca said, I do. I will follow. I will go. I will go to the Son. I will come. You can't work your way there. You can't pay your way there. You can't can't do anything to earn it. It's a free gift given. All you do is to receive it. Well, Rebecca received it. She said, yes, I'm going. (laughs) I'm going. So what happens here? We see here in verse 59, so they sent away rebecca their sister and her nurse and abraham's servant and his in his men and they blessed rebecca and said to her our sister may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousand thousands and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them so we see here that <laughs> can you picture it Rebecca goes, yes, I'm gonna go. And can you pitch your turn around and say, can I bring my girlfriends too? You know? I wanna bring my girlfriends with me. And in this case we see here in verse 59 her nurse, someone who came was older who took care of her, but we'll see also in verse 61. Her maids came along with her. But you had friends that came with her to come to her and with her to go down to that place. But when they were leaving, they, must, they decided to pray for her and give a blessing upon her life. And two great things are praying for her. That you will be fruitful. You will have thousands upon thousands of children in your generation. And two, you will have victory over your, the descents possess the gates of those who hate them. You'll have anyone who comes against you and what God is about to do in and through your life, that you will have victory over those, uh, those who hate you. That's the blessing, and I pray that blessing also for you. In verse 61, what happens? Then Rebecca and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of bear, and bear means well. Lehi Roy, 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 whatever it is. For he dwelt in the south. So that's interesting. Isaac wasn't dwelling with Abraham at the time. He was south. He was at this well in Lehi Roy. And if it's interesting, if you remember seeing that well before, where did you see that? We read about that early on in. In um, uh, chapter 16, uh, verse 4, that is where Hagar fled to and the angel, God sent the angel to her to speak to her, to encourage her to come back home. It's the same place. Now also keep in mind, we see here in this section, as she's coming down there, we have not seen or heard from Isaac since his dad, Abraham, took him up to the mountain to sacrifice him, remember? Remember? He then We don't see Isaac until now in this chapter, Isaac coming back in the, in the picture. But we see here, here's Isaac coming back to the land where his dad is. That is what they did in that, that culture. If you were away and you were going to be married, you came back to the father's house. You built your house uh, attached to the father's house or at least nearby it. So that what would happen is... After the agreement, the betroth, then what would happen is then they would take the time. The father would make sure the son builds a house and prepares a house for the bride to come. And once that house is prepared, then the father said, okay, now you can go out and call your bride to come to you to get married. That's how the tradition works. So if you follow along, here's Isaac coming back. He's preparing a place at his father's place, at the place where he's supposed to be. He's come back home. And now his bride is coming. This is what we will see. And he says right there in 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. So part of preparation of getting a place ready for your bride to live You also, you see a godly man, Isaac, praying for his wife. Praying for the situation. Praying and asking God and seeking after God. And you can see him meditating there at that moment. And when he looks up, he sees the camels coming. And then it says in verse 64, Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servants, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And in verse 67, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted at comforted after his mother's death. So here in the scriptures today, Isaac knows that dad Abraham sent his servant to go find a wife for for him. To look for a bride, to bring a bride back for him. While he's doing, he's preparing a place For his bride it reminds us of john chapter 14 verses 2 and 3 it says in my house in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and i will go and prepare a place for you and i will come again and receive you to myself that where i am there you may be also So you see this parallel, he's sitting there, he's preparing a place, he's in praying, and he's waiting for the time when his bride, he will receive his bride to him, to the place where he is at. Just like God is going to bring his bride to his son, Jesus Christ, in the clouds, not at the riverbank. But when will this day be that this will take place? Mark 13, 32 says, No man knows the day or the hour, not even me, Jesus answered. Only the Heavenly Father knew of the time when this will take place. What will take place? The time when He brings, God brings the bride to the bridegroom. When the bridegroom calls us, we will run to him and meet him, not here on the streets, not by the riverbed, but in the air based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Most of us are watching for the Lord. Most of us are waiting for the anticipation of God coming and calling us home to be in the presence of our Lord. But why do we? Because while we are, can only speculate concerning the wonderful things God has prepared for those who love Him, 1 Corinthians 2 9, He knows all about them and is so eager to share them with us. See, God has a plan. God is prepared is coming to your life because you've received him. He's knocked at the door of your heart. You opened up your heart. You allowed him to come and dwell within you. And now he's he went to uh, to to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes. He prays for you and I. As Isaac is praying for his wife to be coming, he, God the Son also is praying for you and I to when the time comes, we'll bring the bride to. because he is so eager to share what he has prepared for us. He is so eager to share of the gifts and the blessings that will come upon his bride when she comes, when we come to him. Are you as excited as the bride is? Rebecca must have been extremely excited to see what's going to happen. But are you, as the bride of Christ, are you excited to be in the presence of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Are you excited to see what he has prepared for you and I? Because the Lord longs for us. He's looking forward to us when the perfect time that the Father has set. But you notice here, Rebecca lifted her eyes and saw Isaac from a a distance and dismounted. She said, Who's that? Who, who's that right in front of me? Who, who, that's my master. That's the son. And she prepared herself, and then Isaac heard of God's leading and God's miracle and selection that God appointed selection of Rebecca to be his wife, and he just brought her into Sarah's old tent. Brought her into that same tent. That tent was available. And they lied together. And in that that sexual unity. Became husband and wife. But notice one of the ministries of a wife. We see at the very end. That Rebecca provided comfort to Isaac. After his mother's death. So. Obviously, Isaac had been grieving for the loss of his mother, had not been settled, has, is still was just distraught at the fact that his mother had died. But do you see the ministry of a woman can bring comfort to a man who is hurting? That is part of their ministry. And what a wonderful ministry that is. So, here, Genesis 20 24. Notice a few things as I pondered on this as I was coming over the water from Israel. Nowhere here in verse, uh, chapter 24, there n- there's no recording here of no words from God himself. There's no, there's no miracle other than the miracle, the fact that God led the servant to exactly where he was going to be. There's no prophetic word that you can see in this, this chapter. It doesn't even restate the Abrahamic covenant that was done, only through the blessing that uh, Rebecca's family poured on to her and said, You will have thousands upon thousands of kids, you know. This event was so unique here in Genesis. And the role of faith, the role of hope, the love for one another. Abraham loved his son. The servant loved the father. It's just so much in this one chapter alone about the faith, love, and hope as you walk with God. So the choice. Choice being led by God. The bride for Isaac was God. The sign confirmed it. Laban recognized it. Rebecca complied with it. And the final thing here is when you do the will of God, prayerfully and obediently, you can guarantee you'll be led by God. It's a guarantee. If you were just patiently obediently be guided by God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 says, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your